Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Dustin Hawkinsmith and Johnny McGonigal. Welcome in. It's the Blue White Breakdown, our final Blue White Breakdown of the week as Penn State gets set to host. Ohio State, mighty Ohio State at Beaver Stadium, Saturday afternoon, a noon kickoff. Uh, Johnny McGonigal is here with me. I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith. We'll get into the ins and outs of that game and some of the dynamics going into it, including one former highly targeted Penn State, Pennsylvania guy who ended up going to the Buckeyes, who is now playing the most prominent role of his career coming into this game. Uh, looking at a couple uh, big things this week from James Franklin um, coming out of Wednesday's practice availability as well, including a look at Chop Robinson and and his status for this game. So let's start, Johnny. Early thoughts on this game: fifteen and a half points, uh, give or take, is 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 the point spread in this one. And um, I get it. I mean, on paper, this Ohio State team is an absolute Goliath that is dominant on both sides of the ball as a running team, as a passing team. It's really hard to find a team that does so many of these things well. So they're very deserving of it, but I just I, I keep coming personally back to the fact that in eight games against Ohio State under James Franklin, Ohio State's beaten them by at least two touchdowns only once in that stretch. There's a history here of playing them tough, and I don't expect anything different in this one. Yeah, Dustin, the last five losses uh, to Ohio State have come by a combined 35 points. Now, part of that, too, is in 2017 and 2018, two games that Penn State could have arguably should have won. Uh, we're lost both by one point, so that adds a little bit uh, to that or you know, plays into that tally. But look, Penn State has played them tough. Uh, if, if anything, Penn State seems to be matched up better uh, to this Ohio State team uh, than, than they were to uh, this Michigan team, which we saw a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's easier to say that after the fact that, you know, I, I picked Penn State to win that Michigan game and uh, that did not turn out well for me or for the Nittany Lions uh, necessarily. But you look at what this secondary has at Penn State, and that's going to be the matchup that everyone is watching this weekend. Uh, Joey Porter Jr., Jair Brown, Kalen King, Johnny Dixon against Marvin Harrison uh, Jr., uh, not senior, but you know, Jr.'s pretty darn good too. Uh, you know, Emeka Ibuka, uh, Julian Fleming, who we'll talk about in a few minutes, and then Jackson Smith and Jake, but if he's able to play, uh, even if it's in a limited capacity, I mean, those four guys provide such you know crisp route running and are just so talented, uh, you know, on the on the receiving end for CJ Stroud, and so I can see why this is a fifteen and a half point uh, spread. You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if Ohio State, you know, does what they've been doing all season, which is beating teams for fun. You know, they've been their their average margin of victory this year is 34, 35 points. I picked a, a relatively close game. Uh, given what Penn State secondary has at its disposal, and given the history of these games in the last uh, four or five years, and, and and I see that I think if I recall correctly, you went fairly low scoring too. You think de- you think defense is going to be an unheralded part of this game? I did. Yeah, I went Ohio State twenty four, Penn State seventeen, uh, which is well below uh, the betting over under. And 
you know, I, I picked a relatively low scoring game last week too. That didn't pay out because, you know, Penn State hit the over themselves uh, with 45 points against Minnesota. Uh, but I really like what Manny Diaz has done with this defense at Penn State in his first year. And on the other side too, uh, everyone wants to talk about CJ Stroud and I totally get it. He's insane. Uh, but Jim Knowles has been the low key MVP of this Ohio State team so far. Uh, this season, their new defensive coordinator coming over from Oklahoma State. Uh, they rank among the best in the country stopping the run. And uh, Penn State is going to need to get that going if they want you know, some success here. I think that's the game plan for Penn State is to you know, use Katron Allen uh, to get those tough yards, hopefully get a couple of burst runs uh, from Nick Singleton. But you know, shorten this game, limit the possessions for Ohio State. Uh, and make this thing tight. And I think Penn State can do that, uh, it, you know, especially if they're running off the left side and Olu Fashanu. You know, Ohio State's defense is no slash. So I, I think that these two defenses will be uh, what we're talking about after the game, not as much, uh, you know, the, the high-scoring offenses or anything like that. You know, going into the Michigan game, you were kind of unclear on exactly who Michigan was because they rolled through – you know, a bunch of lightweight type teams. And then they had their struggles against Maryland, seemingly played down to their competition in that one. I, I don't think it's quite the same for Ohio State because they've proven certainly over time, but even this year, how explosive they are. But, you know, that that week one game at home against Notre Dame uh, doesn't look quite as good. It was 21-10. But then after that, you have Arkansas State, Toledo, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Michigan State, Iowa. They've only played one road game. I mean, they're still maybe trying to find themselves. And I I was asked kind of like what the formula for a Penn State win would include. And I really think it's planting seeds of doubt for a team that hasn't had really many seeds of doubt, you know, go, going into um, this game. They're going to be on the road. They're going to face probably the most energetic crowd that they have. But I don't think that's a huge factor for them. But I think if Penn State can, you know, obviously create a turnover early or get a couple three and outs or get pressure on C.J. Stroud, that's going to be huge no matter what. Uh, take these guys into deep water and see what they how they respond to that because you don't know. I mean, I don't think Ryan Day really knows how his team's going to respond to adversity yet. Yeah, and I think really one of the biggest things in this game, and I wrote about this week, uh, is the battle in the red zone uh, specifically. Talk about you're creating disruption and, and chaos and turnovers and stuff. And uh, if Ohio State gets in the red zone, they've been perfect this year. They're the last team in college football to have a hundred percent scoring rate in the red zone and that touchdown rate uh, of 86% of the time, 31 out of 36 uh, is second best in the country right now. That's just how good CJ Stroud has been uh, in tight window throws. That's how good Marvin Harrison's routes have been. Ibuka's routes have been uh, Travion Henderson and, uh, and Williams as well in the backfield. They've been two battering Rams for this Ohio state offense, but Penn state as the fourth best red zone touchdown rate allowed in the country at, at 40%. And so that's a battle that I'm looking, I'm looking at specifically is, you know, Ohio state has been so good at finishing off drives uh, and Penn state, if they're going to pull this upset, they've, they've got to hold in the field goals. And Iowa was able to do that early in the game. At one point, I think it was 19 to 10 uh, last week. We saw how that, you know, ended up, I think it was 54 to 10 because uh, Iowa just came apart at the seams like they've done. Uh, seemingly, uh, you know, for the last two years offensively. Um, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Brian Ferentz, I don't know how he still has a job. Uh, but- <laughs> uh, I like I like how you said that's neither, neither here nor there. And then you get out the flamethrower on Brian Ferentz. I, I just really don't understand it. I don't either. 
Either way, uh, Ohio State has been really good in the red zone. Penn State has been really good defensively in the red zone. And when it comes down to it, I think that's where a game can be won or lost if it's a close game. If, if Ohio State you know, takes the blowtorch to Penn State's defense, and I don't think Sean Clifford uh, and Penn State's offense has the, has the tools to keep up in a blowout. Uh, but if, if this is a close game, keep an eye on the red zone. And uh, if Penn State is able to hold them out like they did early against Michigan, remember in the first half of that Michigan game, Michigan got down to the red zone four times, three field goals and a touchdown. And that, uh, you know, that running barrage that, you know, running them over, you know, just kind of wore out Penn State's defense. And, uh, you know, we saw, we saw the Nittany Lions cave there, but they held on early. And so if they're able to do that early and keep Penn State in it, I think this is going to be a close one. And I think Ohio State can exert their will physically the way that Michigan did. But the funny thing is, I don't think they, they really want to play that brand of football, which is what makes, Michigan's so unique and so hard to handle. I know James Franklin got into these style things, and Jim Harbaugh has created a really perfect, imperfect matchup problem because everybody's trying to spread out and and win the win games through the air and make teams defend the whole field. He's one of very few across the country who's saying, you know what, we're I mean, I think we can do that if we want to, but we really want to own you up front. So Michigan was a horrible matchup at this time for for Penn State. Ohio State's a little bit better, but you know if if they're able to put let's say seven yards a carry in their back pocket, that's tough, uh, especially in the red zone. And then you have C.J. Stroud who can just put the ball on a dime anywhere. And it's like some of the tight coverage that that has forced really really good throws so far for Penn State. Not many of the quarterbacks were capable of making those throws. And so now, like, yeah, you can you can guard these guys tough, and that's gonna be, you know, a challenge in its own right. But even on these plays where you are on a guy's hip, CJ Stroud is still able to put the ball where his guy can catch it. And that that is just a challenge that, you know, especially in the red zone, that's gonna be really interesting to watch. I love the red zone stat though. Like I feel like, you know, new defensive coordinator for, for Penn State, the same tendency of, of buckling down in the red zone. It's like uh, in baseball, hitting with runners in scoring position. It's an attitude thing. It's a strategy thing. Whatever it is, uh, Penn State seems to do it well, but Ohio State does it extremely well. Uh, and it's, it's just tough to stop. But we'll see what happens when it, when it comes down to it. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. James Franklin uh, kind of hinted at what, what something I thought was kind of important too of, of uh, zagging where Ohio State thinks they're going to zig. And uh, I do think when you're a legitimate underdog and as a coach, if you can look in the mirror and say, we're kind of outgunned here, you dip into your bag of tricks a little bit. And you you do some different things, and and Franklin talked about this week. I think it's going to be important for Penn State to, uh, whether it's gadget plays or whatever, to to really go off the beaten path to try to win this game. Yeah, absolutely. James Franklin saying this week after uh, Wednesday's practice that you're going to have to do some things, and it was interesting for him to recognize this too. Uh, you know, he he knows he knows what he has in his locker room, and obviously he's confident in the guys that he's recruited and everything, but. When you look across the across the way at the number two team in the country uh, and, and an offense and, and a defense, as we mentioned, that is just clicking on all cylinders right now. He admitted that you're going to have to do some things this week on offense, defense and special teams. They're going to have to give Ohio State pause. Like, what are they doing here? This isn't what we expected. 
you know, whether that's a different formation to run out, you know, the same play or a different motion or a different personnel group, whatever it may be, they're looking to give Ryan Day pause and his coaching staff pause. And they're looking to, to make those players on the Buckeyes hesitate. Uh, and, and that's a situation where if you're Penn State, you're at home, if you're able to do that, uh, I think that that gives you a little bit of an advantage. You have to the element of surprise has to be on your side as a two as a two touchdown underdog. It just has to be. And so if you're able to do that, um, you know, we I just remember uh, a few years back in that Michigan game It was more than a few years back, I guess. But Moorhead was the offensive coordinator. They, they went and instead of doing the RPO with Trace McSorley and Saquon, they had, you know, Saquon take the snap and then he he runs for a touchdown. Something like that, where it's like, okay, this is something that we haven't seen before. This is going to throw us off and uh, create a big chunk play out of it, because uh, that's what Penn State needs. You know, any way they can get them offensively, they need chunk plays, and anything defensively uh, to, you know, cause stress on C.J. Stroud and get in his face and apply pressure and disguise coverages. Because he's he's a veteran in, in terms of game experience. Because last year was his first year as a starter, but he's just so good at reading coverages, especially again in the red zone that you have to really muddy the waters for him and uh, and make things difficult on Stroud and, and that passing game because they have a good enough running game, but it's not like Michigan where they can just lean on it the entire time. And that's a good segue to a really important guy, I think, for this game who didn't play last week, Chop Robinson. Uh, James Franklin said, you know, as much as he'll ever say about injuries, they're hopeful to have him. Obviously, they're hopeful to have him. You know, it's so important to be able to generate pressure, and I think, if you're able to generate pressure and still muddy those waters on the back end and not have to send a bunch of extra bodies, I think Manny Diaz is still going to want to bring pressure from all angles with different bodies. That's been part of the fabric of this defense, so I expect that. But if you're able to get pressure off the edge uh, and you're still able to to throw a bunch of bodies on the back end, I mean, that is part of the formula too, and Chop Robinson so important to that. Yeah, absolutely. Chop Robinson has been one of the best pass rushers in the country uh, this year, his uh, pass rush rate, uh, his rating on pro football focus, uh, fourth in the country uh, among those with 200 snaps among the you know, the guys who qualify. And he's just been, it hasn't really shown up in sacks necessarily, but there have been so many moments this year where he's gotten in quarterback's face, uh, where he's caused disruption in the backfield, even been the one that you know pushes a quarterback one way into a sack or you know into a tackle for a loss for another uh, player on Penn State's defense. He's been invaluable. And so, you know, not having him in the Minnesota game, uh, I don't necessarily, I don't want to say they didn't miss him, but in a game plan like that, that Minnesota had with a backup quarterback and a running back like Ibrahim that they they, they were just going to lean on regardless of who was uh, handling the ball at quarterback, you didn't miss him as much. You will miss him if you don't have him against Ohio State because I don't think Penn State has gotten as much pressure on, or I guess in terms of the production of sacks that maybe they would like. Uh, and in an ideal world, if you're Manny Diaz, you don't have to send too many blitzers. You don't have to send five or six to get home. Uh, CJ Stroud, if you're able to get, especially in third and long and obvious passing downs, and you're able to use that prowler package and, you know, whether it's three, four, five going after Stroud, create some confusion that's where Penn State's defense can win is on those money downs on those third and longs. And so Chop Robinson has been so important uh, to the success of Penn State's defense in those scenarios uh, specifically, uh, and especially in late games. I mean, we saw him really end the Purdue game in the fourth quarter. And if this is a close one in the fourth and uh, if, you know, C.J. Stroud and Ohio State's offense is either driving to win it or driving to, to keep the ball away from Penn State, you want a guy like Chop 
uh, coming off the edge and uh, trying to disrupt the backfield. I also think just in terms of um, Ohio State's roster and the way that they've recruited and so many five-star guys, uh, they clearly have more than Penn State does. And I think it just increases the importance of, of the guys who do match up well with that, including Chop Robinson, you know, being in position to make plays. Uh, I think Parker Washington can do some things that uh, in space. Nick Singleton, you know, Katron Allen, I think that's a new dynamic to this offense, too, that those guys can outrun, you know, have a chance to outrun Ohio State linebackers. You know, like the, matching up physically with them uh, is, is a tough thing to do. And a guy like Chop Robinson is one of few guys on your roster who are, who, you know, do make the grade physically, talent-wise, to, to battle with Ohio State. For sure. And uh, we talk about five-star guys. Penn State won't have a five-star guy that they, that they thought that they might have. We mentioned Julian Fleming earlier in the podcast, uh, Dustin. It, it's uh, it's going to sting. And, and James Franklin even admitted as much that whenever you, know, you recruit a guy so heavily um, throughout the process that it stings when you see them across the other side. And, you know, it happens a lot. He said, you know, where especially with these regional uh, prospects, if they don't go to Penn State, you know, they, they might go to Ohio State or Michigan and you might see them all the time. Penn State, you know, they recruited Blake Corum, uh, you know, Michigan's running back. And we saw, you know, how that panned out for uh, Penn State's defense. Uh, not great, but, you know, you're kind of hoping that Julian Fleming won't have the same impact uh, this Saturday, although he has developed into a big play threat uh, for Ohio State after a couple of slow seasons. Yeah, I think uh, he's dealt with injuries and stuff. And, you know, Brian Hartline has recruited that position and continues to recruit that position at such a high level that if you are a five-star guy, you're not all that special in Ohio State's room because they all pretty much are. Uh, so Julian Fleming has found the going a little bit tough, which is a little bit of a, you know, twist of irony, I suppose, because, you know, Penn State was recruiting him at that time where they made a quick transition from David Corley to Jared Parker, who was only uh, Penn State's wide receivers coach for one year. There was some uncertainty there about how they were used and how they were being developed. And one of the things that Julian Fleming said was, um, you know, they had a guy, Justin Shorter, that wasn't able to make an impact in year one. And that kind of worked against his decision to go to Penn State. And then Fleming uh, struggled to make an impact in year one at Ohio State. Uh, but I think since then, the wide receiver position and the coaching at that position has improved probably more than any other position group on the roster. Wouldn't you say, I think the stable ground with Taylor Stubblefield, I mean, that is a completely different position group where you can't go back and redo anything. But I do feel like if they were in this position now recruiting a kid like Julian Fleming, there's a much better chance he would have ended up at Penn state. Yeah, I think they've done a good job. I mean, look at Amari Evans and what kind of impact that he's already made uh, as a true freshman playing in all seven games, logging, you know, he had 14 snaps uh, this past weekend against Minnesota. And, you know, they're able to, they, they've shown the ability to, you know, add guys, even from the portal. Uh, you look at Mitchell Tinsley and what he's been able to do coming over uh, from Western Kentucky. And so they've, they've shown a willingness to, as, you know, as a program uh, play freshman, there've been a lot of freshman contributors uh, this season, not just at receiver, but, you know, Singleton and Allen in the backfield, you know, Abdul Carter uh, at linebacker, uh, Drew Aller getting in games uh, whenever they're able to get him in. So they've shown the ability and uh, and willingness to play freshmen. And at wide receiver specifically, a guy like Mitchell Tinsley gives you an example of someone who came in, uh, had you know just one offseason, has already made a really good impact uh, with the team. So 
I'm not saying that they don't miss Julian Fleming because I'm sure that they would rather have him on their roster uh, than not. Um, but I do like, especially what we saw uh, this past weekend in the, in the Minnesota game, what Penn State's wideouts uh, have shown. Uh, Mitchell Tinsley throughout the season has been uh, really good, you know, contested catches, especially. Uh, you, you look at what Parker Washington did and in getting involved finally, getting in the end zone uh, after such a long drought. And what a way to get in the end zone, too. I mean, that, first of all, it was a good throw. At first, I was like, oh, wow, that's a kind of a, you know, just a jump ball thrown up there by Sean Clifford. But looking back at the pressure that was in his face, I think it was actually a pretty good throw. Uh, and then Parker, you know, going up and catching that pass. I mean, you don't want to live too much in the past, but that those kind of plays and those kind of moments give guys confidence. Uh, and so you look at what Ohio State has in Fleming and uh, Harrison and Ibuka and, you know, with that passing offense, you're going to need to be confident uh, if you're Penn State's offense to be able to, you know, not necessarily keep up 45-45 because I don't think they, ha- they they have the the horses to do that, but you have to be able to stretch the field. And so, um, so yeah, I, but at the same time, you'd love Fleming who, you know, he just had a 79-yard touchdown at Iowa. Uh, this is a guy who on 17 catches this year has six touchdowns. So he's been a big play threat. Uh, and it's pretty good when he's like your fourth option. Yeah, it's not a bad situation. And they haven't had uh, Smith Najigba really much at all and uh, was on a bit of a pitch count last week. You know, there is a possibility that he removes that pitch count this week and you see more of him than you've seen all season. And that's that's a tough ask too, but that's something that Penn State secondary is going to have to match up with. Um, and I do think like Amari Evans is a perfect example of um, Penn State's really steering into the new culture of college football. And I think the new culture of college football means you play guys when early. Uh, you can't take anything for granted about how long a kid's going to be there. If, if you think a kid can contribute and help and and makes the grade right away, you play them. I think I, I really do feel like in future in, in previous years, a guy like Amari Evans probably doesn't burn his red shirt in year one. No, I don't think so. And that was something that James Franklin said from the jump. I think he might have said it at his uh, Big Ten Media Days press conference. And then it's something that he harped on throughout training camp in August is we want to establish depth. And and what does that mean? What does establishing depth mean? It, me- it means playing your true freshman. It means getting these guys in, even if they're not starting. I mean, Abdul Carter got his first start against Minnesota. He wasn't starting prior to that, but he was playing starter level reps. Um, he's a guy that I think regardless of your philosophy is good enough and has shown to be good enough that he would get on the field early regardless. But you're right. Like Evans is a guy that maybe they, you know, they just, they roll out with their old, they're, they're more veteran receivers. You see more uh, Malik Mayega and, and guys like that instead. Um, but they've, they've shown no hesitancy to play these guys. And because I think in the past they've gotten burned um, by not playing, you know, their freshmen. And now they, they see what the, you know, the, the outlier is in college football right now. you got to play those freshmen because you can't promise freshmen, hey, you're going to come here and play right away and then get them on campus. And then, you know, that that be the only thing because they can just hop in the transfer portal right away and say, OK, you broke your promise. You didn't play me right away. I'm I'm going. See ya. Uh, so you, you can't just get kids on campus with a promise and then not live up to it. Now you actually have to live up to that. And uh, so Penn State's been doing that so far this season, and I'd expect them to continue to do that. The roster's going to turn over whether you want it to or not. It's going to turn over faster now than ever. You might as well steer into that. And that this this final kind of point plays right along with that too. Vega Ioane, uh, the, the lineman from Washington, 
Penn State may not be able to redshirt him, according to James Franklin this week. Uh, Landon Tangwall, you know, kind of raises some questions about his uh, short and longer term availability this season. But Penn State, you know, obviously they're going to have a need, but you know, there's there's other guys there too. You know, Golden Israel Chumba, Nick Dawkins, some of these guys who are like redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore types. I don't think they needed to go to the well of Vega Iwane, but they really seem to love what he brings to the table. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, James Franklin, after that loss to Michigan, was talking about size and the importance of them developing it. And, you know, they have some guys who want to stay small when they should be getting bigger. Vega Iwane is exactly who he's talking about in a good way there. Weighs 340, said he moves like, th- like he's 315. This was the last, I think he was the final addition to the 22 recruiting class. And somebody that maybe... You didn't think much of at the time because he's from the whole way across the country. He He's coming last minute. You're like, oh, okay, this is a nice little bonus to get this guy, whatever. But uh, they really seem to like him, and Penn State fans might be seeing more of him. It seems like those guys, Dustin, who come in late during a recruiting class, either they're the first ones out the door because they're like, you know, like whatever, this isn't for me, or they're the ones that really show up and, and have a real impact uh, the, the ones you look back on, like, oh, wow, what if we didn't get him? And so uh, Vega could end up being one of those players for Penn State, especially this season. You know, he made his second appearance of the season against Minnesota. Like you said, uh, Franklin, you know, acknowledging this week that he's 340 pounds. He looks like he's 315 uh, with the way that he moves. And, you know, it, it's important to have those kind of matchups on the inside like that, especially when you have Landon Tegmall, who hasn't played in a couple of games. Uh, you've ha- you have an offensive line uh, that, you know, it, an offensive lineman specifically in Bryce Effner, who has, you know, the experience and, and ability to go from tackle to guard. But if you want to play him uh, at tackle, uh, you know, if Caden Wallace, who got hurt at the end of the Minnesota game, and we don't know his status, if he'll play. And if he does play, you know, he's been beat a few times this year. And if you want Effner at right tackle, that again, like opens up another spot and you just able to mix around in that interior uh, next to juice scrugs. And so we'll see what kind of role uh, Vega has on Saturday, but after already playing in two games, you've got what five regular season games left a bowl game. There's a pretty good chance that he's going to play in two more. And then at, at that point in, in the past, James Franklin has not liked to get his freshman to four games if possible, because then, if you really need him for, for a game and he gets the five, then you, you burn the red shirt. Again, it could be another situation where these freshmen are just going to play uh, and that you, you gain that experience and you deal with the whole red shirt deal when you, when you can in the offseason. And I think it bodes well for the future of the offensive line to be talking about Vega Iwane in this way and for him to prove that he kind of um, is deserving of an opportunity. And you got Landon Tangwall at the same time. You know, those, you know, Tangwall could be a future guy at tackle, could be a future guy at guard. Now it seems like Iwana, you can actually think about him and and where he fits going forward too. So we'll see how he holds up. Uh, this will be a tall order if you if you see him play significant snaps against this Ohio State defense, but we'll see. Uh, Penn State, Ohio State, Fox's big noon kickoff game on Saturday at Beaver Stadium. Ohio State, a fifteen and a half point favorite. We'll see what happens there. We'll be following along. Uh, check out all the blue white breakdowns we've done so far this week. We'll obviously be doing a lot more coming out of this game. Everything else we do is available at penlive.com slash Penn State football, videos, articles, stories, all that. Uh, so check that out there. That's Johnny McGonigal. I'm Dustin Hockensmith for the Blue White Breakdown. See you next time. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>